0: Welcome to inspiring people in places where we interview national leaders in the architectural engineering construction and development industry in an effort to educate Innovate and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo Improve their project teams and steward public and private investments more effectively I'm your host BJ Kramer president and CEO of MCFA Allow me to introduce today's guest I am so excited to introduce our next guest and interview. Uh, I have known our guest for probably 15, maybe almost 20 years. He hasn't known me. I've known him through the book that he wrote, and, and it has certainly changed uh, my day-to-day life and, and my, life, my professional life. We talk about inspiring people. He is certainly an inspiring person, but when we talk about inspiring people, it's also inspiring you, our listeners. Uh, So Today, I'm hoping that you are inspired, not just in the moment, but to take action, Uh, read his book, and implement all of what he has to share. Uh, I'm going to start with a quick bio here. Our guest is David Allen, who wrote the book, Getting Things Done, Art of Stress-Free Productivity. Uh, David has 40 years experience as an influential thinker on productivity. He's a management consultant and an executive coach. His book, Getting Things Done, also known as GTD, and its methods, spawned a movement with millions of practitioners and fans around the world. David's methods of staying relaxed and focused are now spread by certified trainers and coaches in more than ninety countries. Can't wait to talk about that a little more, David. Welcome to the show.
1: Me delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Uh, delighted to have you. And and I think the best place to start. Well. It, we, we, we typically go through a process of Discover, Navigate, Accelerate with our interviewees. Discover is discovering a little bit more about you. Our podcast reaches a lot of architects, engineers, construction managers, project managers, people, people building in the built environment and, and handling chaotic projects. So I, I think that your methodology is going to be very attractive to them if they have not heard of it before. Uh, But before we get there, I want to talk about before GTD and what led, you know, what, what was your career path and what led you to writing the book, getting things done?
1: Well, I was in a, I was a, in, in graduate school. uh, I was an American intellectual history major, you know, history of thought, history of culture, whatever. And I was specializing in American history of thought. And I thought I was going to be, what else do you do, but be an academic or do something if you're interested in history and at some point i decided i wanted to find i wanted my own enlightenment instead of just studying other people who had theirs so i figured graduate school the way i was experiencing it wasn't where i was finding it so i dropped out and went on a deep path of personal exploration sort of self-exploration who am i why am i here what am i doing Life, you know all that good deep stuff and this is again this is berkeley 1968 so you can imagine uh you know any time didn't have been placed to, to be doing that kind of stuff and uh so i did but they weren't paying people to do that so i still had to make a living and so uh, i had a number of friends in my network who seemed to know what they were doing i didn't know what i wanted to do i just needed to, needed to pay the rent they seemed to know what they were doing and a number of heads were starting businesses had their own small business whatever so i became a really good number two guy so I helped a number of my friends with their businesses. And I'd walk in and look around and say, well, how much easier can we make things happen? Cause I'm the laziest guy you've ever met. And I just look around and say, "How much, you know, what can we do so that we can leave a little earlier? And now they call that process improvement. I was just, again, Mr. Lazy. So it's not waste <laughs> time or energy, you know, how do we do that? And so then, uh, I'd help them and I'd fix it and we'd get onto cruise control. and I'd get bored. So they go, well, let me go find another gig. So I did. And, uh, That's where you look under Wikipedia. They mentioned I had 35 jobs by the time I was 35. So that's where a lot of them showed up. You know, I helped a guy run a landscape company. I helped a guy manage a service station just off a block off the the Los Angeles, the the Santa Monica freeway in L.A. Helped a couple of friends start a restaurant. So yada, yada. And then I discovered they actually pay people to do what I was doing and they call them something. (laughs) Sultan. Wow. You know, couldn't spell it. Now I are one. So. <laughs> hung out my shingle in 1982, Allen Associates, and so I started my own little consulting practice, seeing if I could just sell myself on a project by project basis, so I wouldn't be hung up with any one particular place, but I'd just come in and do what I like to do. And then, but I also discovered I, I had also discovered in my own self exploration, I discovered the, the the value of clear space in your head mm. through my own meditation practices and explorations. And then I got a black belt in martial arts and karate. And a lot of that has to do with having a clear head. You know, if four people jump you in a dark alley, you don't want 2,000 unprocessed emails hanging around your psyche. You need to be really clear. And so I love clarity and I love that. I love not being distracted. I love being able to have the clear space to do what I wanted to do and be present with it. Um, But as my life got more complex and busier, my little consulting career, um, I I was losing clear space. I said, well, how do I get back to that? And so I started to discover what are the techniques that, that can keep me clear and on top of my game instead of feeling buried by it? And so I learned piece by piece. I didn't wake up one morning with this whole methodology as some grand epiphany. This is a, it turned turned out to be a long string of epiphanets, as I say, little uh-huh. aha's. That worked. Oh, that worked. Let me let me cobble that one into how I'm doing about what I'm doing. And it turned out that the stuff I was discovering was from really cool people doing really cool stuff about that sort of thing. And it worked for me. I found as I was implementing these techniques, it created more stability, more control, more focus, more ability to focus on the meaningful stuff. Turned around, started using these techniques with my clients because it looked like they needed that too. And it turned out that it worked equally well for them as it did for me. I said, wow, I sort of uncovered or discovered uh, this methodology that became a key to my own consulting. We didn't call it coaching back then, but you'd call it that now pretty much you know, with CEOs and entrepreneurs that I was working with. Anyway, to make a long story short, some uh, head of HR in a big corporation saw what I was doing. He said, "Dave, do we need that result in our whole culture. Can you design some sort of training program around what you've come up with so you can reach maybe a lot of people, at least with the methodology, not just one-on-one. So I did design a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers, implemented over a year's period of time. And it was highly successful. This is Lockheed in Burbank, 1983-84. So I, it hit a nerve. Could have fooled me, you know. The, uh, and it was highly successful. And like nobody's ever had a training that good. They a lot of great feedback like that. You know, who, it could have fooled me if you'd have told me that when I was a, you know, a history major in Berkeley in sixty eight that I was <laughs> going to be in the in the corporate training world. I said, Well, what are you smoking? Come on, you what? Know you know, you getting, but it turned out that was the rightest audience for what I had uncovered because in the early eighties, anyway, that, that was when the, some of the corporations were starting to get hit with tsunami of both email, fast change, flattened organizations, people having to being asked to manage themselves more than ever before. And so I just wound up being thrust into the corporate training world. And a lot of my, what had been consulting turned out to be coaching for senior people. At these companies that wanted me to come sit with them desk side. To implement what what they'd gotten in the training, and so I literally trained started in my life, the next twenty years. I trained hundreds of thousands of people, mostly in the U.S. you know business world. Uh, although we did churches and entrepreneurs and startups as well, but you know biggest clients were you know Social Security Administration, the U.S. Navy, the uh, uh, you know Lockheed, uh, uh, banks, uh, startup. Uh, anyway, all, all over. So. And then I'd spent literally thousands of hours, one-on-one desk side with some of the busiest and brightest people you'd ever meet uh, implementing this. And that's when I knew, by that time, I knew this had been tested in some of the most rigorous environments you could imagine. Uh, and my stuff went viral in many of them. So I said, ah, I, guess, I guess this works. I, but it took me 20 years, BJ, to find out <laughs> what, I figured, what I found out. I thought everybody else had already figured this out. Because I'd never had any formal or traditional training in time management business or psychology. This is all street smarts. This is all just stuff that I experienced for myself and then started to share it with other people and found out what worked. And it was pretty bulletproof by that time. And I got some good coaching. David, you ought to write the book. I don't know how to write a book. Right? But I said, you know, I probably better write the manual in case I got run over by a bus. At least people would have the instruction manual if they wanted it. Right. If they could use it. I had no idea how... but whether it would work or not. So it took me four years from the time I pulled the trigger from 97 to 2001 to get the first edition of Getting Things Done out. Well, that's what I did. And I had, again, I had no high expectations. And, you know, I was sort of an- anticipating what might happen, but no really expectations about how popular it would be. Because even by that time, there was a lot of noisy stuff in the marketplace about getting organized and time management stuff. My stuff is not really time management, but it's pretty much boxed in that way, you know, the way people thought about it. and Turned out, it was a bestseller. Went global, thirty languages now. Sold three million copies. You know, so it's it spread itself around the world. And then we had to make a decision. Me and my little small company. I had to build a little company to help you know meet the demand of people wanting trainings and coaching. And uh, I said, okay, shall we try to go global? Because people were knocking on our door from all around the world, especially in the tech world, because my stuff hit the nerve in the tech world. Really, because it it. It, it was one of the first non-tech memes that hit the tech world, and you know my stuff. And I, I'll be bold enough to say, but many people would tell you, my book "Getting Things Done" was really the seed for the whole life hack movement mm. that started, you know, in you know in the in the two thousands. Anyway, that and so we said, well, let's see if we can find out how to go global. So we decided to try to do that. Is there some way we can scale this? you know, in some way. So we don't have to personally necessarily deliver all that. And that's where, you know, fast forward. Now we have, you know, uh, certified licensees around the world uh, who were basically GTD champions that then had their own consulting or training businesses and wanted to incorporate it as part of their own intellectual property and, and what they were delivering in their own regions. So there's a short version of a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I want to say that you know 7 habits of highly effective people and and stephen covey was probably the first um productivity slash um life coaching uh type of book i read and then i you know you you talked about the life hack movement you and tim ferriss uh 4 hour work week yours was more of a framework his was more of a philosophy that you know stokes the stokes the brain but I, I credit both of those books with, you know, any level of success that I've, I've tried to have from organizing my life and, and moving my life forward. Uh, so thank you for writing it. Um, and I, I do want to ask, who, who have you found has been most attracted to your work? And, and because I, I get that an HR department who is, you know, being t- tasked by a CEO to say, get our people more productive, or a CEO saying, I want our people to be more productive. But that's, that's the corporate client. Do you have any examples, anecdotally, of, of the type of individuals that are reading your book and coming out to a seminar, and, and is, is there kind of a common theme around those, those readers?
1: Yeah, there is, and it's a strange paradox. of the people most attracted to my stuff that need it the least. They're already successful people. They already know the value of system. They already know the value of getting organized. Uh, they already know the that they create value. It got them where they are. But most of them are up to here. They got no more room. Hmm. And they knew that if they had more space, they could create more because they'd done that already. They just, they'd run out of room. You don't need time. You need space. You know, it, How long does it take to have a good idea? Zero. It does, takes no time to have a Good idea. What you do need is no distraction in your head, so you can take that idea and grab it and do something with it, as opposed to you know have you know just being listening to the jungle going on in most people's heads. And so those are the people who have been most attracted to our work, and that ranges you know (laughs) ranges from Brad Kewell, who's the CEO of of, uh, Uptake. You know, after uh, two years that startup, he had a two billion dollar market cap. Ooh. you know very smart guy you know and at age 47 he's on five boards and and he he started Chicago idea week he's uh, you know by anybody's standards he would be considered one of the most successful uh people you had ever had ever met he he got won the ey entrepreneur of the year award globally uh, a couple of years ago simply because he's just that good and he's yeah. he you know he 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 created Groupon to begin with. That's why he has his own jet. You know, so, I, so I said, Brad, why, why are you calling me? He said, David, I'm up to here. I wake up with million-dollar ideas, but I don't know what to do with them or who to give them to you know, or how to take advantage of that. So that would be he would sort of, he'd sort of be the poster child on one end of you know, successful people. Another person, and I can use his name because he was quite public for six months on the radio, is Howard Stern. He would tell you this changed his life. Hmm. gave him the room to learn to paint, which he'd always wanted to do in his life and not have to give up ser- serious- business and all the entertainment stuff that he's doing as a business so those wow. are some you know kind of on the on the on the on the end of you know some of the most successful people you would meet who were highly highly attracted to this work and 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 implementing it for themselves but I would say that ranges all the way through the whole culture people that say you know I'm just up to here and uh and is there a way out so one <laughs> one of the things my stuff delivers is hope
0: <laughs> I, yeah. it hope and peace i mean uh even when even reading the book, as soon as I'm done, the hope that like I can have a system and I can be more productive and I'm not tapped out and I can clear my head brings a level of peace and subsides the stress and the anxiety, and then where I want to go next is, you know, we talk Discover, second piece of our DNA is Navigate. It's, it's the implementation of the system that can sometimes be, um, you know, it, you need the space to implement the system, right? In, in the book, I think you say you need, you know, you might need an entire weekend to to shut it off and to go into your office and go into your garage and go into everywhere that has tasks or paper or to dos, screaming and whispering and reminding you that you know they're there and you have to do them. So why I love your system is the framework. But my biggest obstacle is going from the strategy and the concept to implementing the framework. And I'm excited sure. to hear about the the uh, GTD champions. But talk to us about you know what what does it take to implement the system from your perspective. Well, you know,
1: basically what it takes is pen and paper, you know, <laughs> no Wi-Fi required, no batteries, you know, they're always here. It's here right now, next to me. You know, basically, you know, those of you who are not familiar with GDD, the methodology and in a nutshell, it's about how do I create clear space? Well, the first thing is you've got to get rid of the stuff that's in your space <laughs> so you can get clear. Well, what's that? Everything's got your attention. Oh, I need to. Oh, I should. Oh, I got to Oh, yeah, I told them I would. Da, 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 da. All that stuff. So that's the first thing to do is write that stuff down. Get it out of your head. Your head is a crappy office. Really? You no. Know, I learned, you know, 40 years ago that your head's for having ideas, but not for hanging on to. It. It doesn't do that very well. And now, in the last 10 years, the cognitive scientists have basically validated that. The number of things that your brain can actually hang on to, that's the only place you're hanging on to it. The, the number of things you can handle to prioritize, remind, uh, be aware of, manage relationship between, four. That's it. As soon as you have more than four things on your mind, uh, you will not be able to take a test as well. You would not be able to be as mm-hmm. present with anything. And they've proven that. So again, don't shoot the messenger here, but that's part of the, that's a lot of what this is about is, is collecting or capturing all that stuff that has your attention. Now, there's two or three other very important steps you need to take once you actually write all that stuff down. And for most people, it would take one to six hours to really get it all, at least from our experience coaching people, thousands of people over the years, how long it really takes. Most people have no idea how many commitments they've made that are spinning around in there. They'll wake them up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, damn, we need to... Oh, God, I forgot. that, You know, all that stuff. And we don't tell people what they should be reminded of. We just ask them, what's in your mind? You don't have to go very far to start to implement this. All you have to do. Anybody listening or watching this right now, as soon as you stop watching it, or even while you're talking, while, while you're watching this, get, grab a pen and a paper and write down the top 10 things that are on your mind, aside from listening to me and BJ. That's all you'd have to do to start. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Get tires in my car. Oh yeah. We need to hire the vice president. Should we adopt or not? You know, I, I need to look into whether I could give my girl karate lessons. That's the stuff. Whatever's up there. Whatever's banging around, little big personal professional. Don't try to evaluate or prioritize or organize any of it right then. The first thing to do is just capture Just tableau rosa. And you want to do as much of that as you're willing to do, as much of that as you're willing to grab. That's why this would take a while. But you could just in a few minutes, you could start with this. Then you need to make some decisions about what you write down. So that, that, and then that's not hard. It is a thinking process that you have to train yourself to do. Most people listening or watching this probably have some version of a to-do list, but most to-do lists or incomplete lists are still unclear things. You see things on most people's to-do lists like mom. Right. Oh, good. Well, you probably had one. So (laughs) yeah. Why is it? Why is it on? Oh, her birthday's coming. Well, great. What are you going to do about mom's birthday? I, I don't know. Bank. Yeah, there are some. Why is it on your list? Oh, yeah, well, you need to look at our credit line and whether we need it, yada, yada. So most people can get as stressed just looking at their to-do list as even before they even wrote it down to begin with because they're looking at things that remind them decisions and thinking they haven't finished. So what I figured out is what's the thinking process you need to finish about the stuff that has your attention? Is it actionable, mom? Yes or no? Oh, yeah, we want to do something about it. Great. What? Give her a birthday party. Ah, celebrate mom's birthday. Now you got a project. Oh, yeah. By the way, what's your next step on that? You had nothing else to do, but make sure you make progress on mom, giving mom a birthday, you know, uh, event. What's the next step? Oh, uh, you know, I ought to call my sister, see what she thinks. Ah. But, you know, (laughs) identifying the project, celebrate mom's birthday. Identifying what you how you need to allocate resources to make that outcome actually happen. Oh, that's a phone call. That didn't happen automatically. You're not born doing that. That's a thought process. And as you probably know, an installed thought process is what GTD is really about. How do I think about how do what do I need to think? How do I need to think about these emails that are piling up while I'm watching David and BJ? Each one of those. Oh yeah, what is it? See that as a knowledge worker, um, the difference between knowledge work and previous kind of work, previous work where you had to make and move things, right? And you you show up at work and a bunch of unmade, unmoved things, make it real clear <laughs> how to spend your day, right? And then you can do all the Taylorisms and all that. Okay, we can more efficiently maybe make and move things. Yeah, But it's still the work at hand is somewhat self-evident. But emails don't tell you what they are <laughs> or what to do about it. They don't say, I'm junk mayo, throw me away. They don't, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you've Tell got me. to actually, you've got you, you have to actually think about your stuff. So the okay. second thing you need to do to implement this is start to think, uh, apply the appropriate thinking to the stuff that has your attention. Then you need to just organize the results. Oh, call my sister. If you can't do it right, then we're going to keep track of a call you need to make, uh-uh, need a list, uh, right? So then you just need, you know, categories of lists or, you know, some uh, to, uh, what are all those things you need to be reminded of at some point? You can't finish them in the moment, and so you know, capture, clarify, and organize three you know critical uh, elements to implement this. So it doesn't take long. As I said, you can start experiencing the value of this in a few minutes. If you want to make it a, a habit, so you never have to remind yourself of this again, you're just doing this. It could take two weeks, two months, or two years. Right. Or, so you or, told 10, me or 10 it, it,
0: or 20 in my case. <laughs> I'm a or, work in progress.
1: Or never. You See, you're as organized as you needed to be. You just fell off the wagon because life sort of threw you a curve. And you said, oh, I don't have time to keep up that process. At some point, when those things throw you a curve, you get onto the process even more. Mm. Wow, this change just happened. Okay, I, I need to recalibrate. What's the new stuff? What's the old stuff I need to then park onto someday maybe as opposed to keep trying to think I can do all that plus all the new stuff. Right. And, you know, so recalibrate, you know, reintegrating and recalibrating and refocusing is becoming more and more a necessity. So what's changed over the years is not the methodology that's been true since dirt, you know, uh, or since anybody had to think to figure out what to do, that's been, you know, having you, you need to do that. This. this process will still work a hundred years from now, you know, no matter what's going on or what changes happen. What's different is how many people need to do that now because their world has changed. And especially since the pandemic, a lot of people are experiencing change they'd never experienced before. You're having to readjust. You know, I'm working from home, but how much from home? Oh, wait a minute. Now they're saying I can come back to the office, but four days a week. And one day I got my, uh, uh, uh well, you know.
0: it's it, you're, you're preaching to me right now. I, just this morning, my wife is, you know, she works usually every Tuesday. This week it's Tuesday and Thursday. She has to get out of the house at seven thirty. I'm coming home from five minutes late from the gym. You know, I didn't let the dog out before I went, to, and like all of a sudden, our morning went from like routine to chaos. And it it is. It's it's. There's new technologies come at us. I, I don't just have email anymore. I don't just have email and a phone call, but it's it's Instagram and Twitter and and linkedin and 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 facebook and and slack yeah and the more and more technology we bring in to help us do what it is you're talking about the further for the more stressors there are well if you
1: know what if if you've implemented what i'm talking about it's a great time to be alive because all those tools can be very very well used if you know how to use them and if you know what to you know and you don't let them overwhelm you right you know come on we just Migrated from what used to be the old Lotus Notes into, into Office 365 and just learning how to use Teams. You know, it's going to take you months to figure that out to work all the protocols, especially if you've got a team trying to implement Teams. So don't think that comes out right, that software right out of the box actually fixes anything. Because <laughs> you're right, to a large degree, it adds another big project. That's right. it will learn it to get it under cruise control, you know, to get all the protocols right. So yeah, you're right. But again, if you know what you're doing, great time to be alive. If you don't, you're toast.
0: Well, and, and I, think it, you, I think you mentioned a couple of lists, but the waiting for list and the someday maybe list to me were, were freeing because they were places I could put these good ideas or these, these outstanding things. And it was like, I don't have to deal with that now. So it is out of my head. It's not stressing me out. I'm not trying to think it. I'm not trying to solve it. I'm just categorizing it and giving myself permission to not think about it now and, and take a look at it later. And whether that's sure. a honeymoon back before I was getting married and like, well, where could that be? Buying the ring or, or now family vacation or what's the next project I'm going to do You know, as a company next quarter? And, and our listeners have heard, had, heard me talk about the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with Gino Wickman's work, but mm-hmm. they, they did a little bit of this for the executive team around like the good idea fairy is always at work. But, <laughs> but implementing the good idea fairy is, is impossible because what takes you one minute to think about or one second to think about and say to your executive team and then your executive team, going from Lotus Notes to Microsoft Office, we should do that this year let's do it tomorrow. well, it's not a tomorrow to done because we bought it. it's it's a process that's got to be implemented and i i know at least for myself having the patience and the discipline to say, "hey, that's not a task. that's not a to-do. that's a project and we can handle the next action and then somebody's going to have to be responsible for managing the project. that's why we have project managers and they're going to have to make sure that we stay on track and This is kind of the individual form of that because we all are project managers of so many different portions of our life. Whether you're a mom or dad, a husband or a wife, a homeowner or a renter, you know, we all have bank accounts to manage. We all have, you know, we're the CFO, the director of HR, or the director of you know family care and medical. Um, There's so much stuff that we're responsible for. Your your process framework just brings, like you said, hope and peace. Um, and a lot of our listeners are professional project managers, right? They 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 have a project, they're managing it. They're dealing with all of this stuff professionally, but I want them to, to hear what you're saying about all of the other things that are taking up space personally, that they may be a great project manager at work, but are they a great project manager at home? Uh, if we were as intentional about, you know, the honeymoon or the family vacation or, or anything else as we are with our jobs, I think we'd all be, uh, you know, much more productive.
1: Uh, you know, and it, it, I have to say over all these years and the thousands of people we've coached, a lot of them are very, very senior um, CEOs and, you know, senior executives. And many times the thing that's most out of control is their personal life. Yeah. Because they, a lot of them will just let it go to hell in a handbasket because of all the attention they put on getting where they were professionally. I coached the CEO of a major financial firm who, just, who had just been promoted to CEO. He'd been COO before that. And so he brought me back in. I coached him before. He brought me back in for a follow-up now that he had his new post. And I thought we'd spend the whole day you know, working on, okay, the new post. What's all that? Let's get that out of his head or whatever. And it turned out that only took an hour. Why he stepped into something that was already very structured? Already had the committees; mm. they were already his direct reports. He, you know that job had already been sort of structured appropriately. You know, he just had to step into it and sort of pick up, you know, pick it up, you know, uh, from where the previous guy had left off. <laughs> we spent the rest of the day on his personal life he had a teenager he couldn't control. He had to manage his, you know, investments. They were thinking of buying a second house on you know, Long Island, and you know, he was commuting, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and that's where most of it was there. And the truth, the truth is once he got that under control, it was a lot easier to even prioritize his his, his work stuff because he, he was able to then handle that distraction. But see, the your brain doesn't care whether it's personal or professional, it doesn't know the difference. If it's just if it's just in your head, that place has no sense of past or future. So you're as likely to be waked up by three o'clock in the morning by I need cat food as well as I need a vice president. <laughs> That place spins and doesn't know the difference between a lot of that stuff. Uh, So to objectify that, so you get it all out of your head? So you take a look at it, even just that first capture step, just writing everything down, even without organizing or prioritizing any of it is transformational for a lot of people. Just that. Yeah. So that, so they, they don't have the spin that's still going on internally, but there's other stuff. I, I don't know what that is. The problem is, if you haven't captured it all, you don't trust either place. You don't trust your list, and you don't trust your head. Hmm. And so you walk around with what I call the ambient anxiety, which is the biggest issue. Not overwhelm. You handle overwhelm. If you were really overwhelmed, your business caught on fire or whatever. Right now, you, you you deal with that more or less effectively. But you know that's not that won't be the issue to decide what to do. The doing has kind of been defined for you to do. Right. It's the it's the ambient anxiety that most people are spinning in that wakes them up at three o'clock in the morning with that, Oh golly, you, whether it's a good idea or something you forgot or something you should have remembered or something you should do or, you know, it ranges all the way, all the way across. So there's no distinction for the process between your personal and your professional stuff.
0: Hmm. So I want to take a quick, almost commercial break for you. I want you to talk about your, uh, the implementers, if you will, I forget what you, what you call them, but I also want to talk about, I, I was reviewing the website and I actually have a buddy, I, I gifted GTD to, uh, in the fall and he downloaded some of your, uh, I guess, guidebooks for implementing it in office 365 or on the iPhone. Uh, so I want to, I want to make sure that we point people to some resources that you have available inside of your, uh, organization.
1: We found that, you know, white papers essentially on implementation of some of the most popular apps out there was quite popular. And once people sort of ran across getting things done, they said, wow, but how do I use that in Todoist? How do I use that in Slack? Or how do I use that in Office 365? How do I use that in AI? And by the way, the last count, that was quite a while ago, there were over 300 apps that had been built purporting to support the GTD model. They're just all list managers frankly, so different bells and whistles, but that's all they are. That's all you need. Right. By the way, anybody listening or watching this, if you keep a calendar or keep it posted on your fridge to keep track of the stuff to buy at the store next, you're already doing this. You're just doing it in a little tiny micro piece of your world, you know, but you can't, you can't beat the process. If you think making lists is too much trouble, throw away your calendar and don't be intellectually dishonest. Why do you think you have a calendar? Because your head can't do it. <laughs> if it could, you wouldn't need a calendar. So your head can't do any of this, You can't do very much, can't do a very good job of any of the rest, and you then spin in this ambient anxiety. But you're, yes, so back to your question. Yeah, so we, we built, the tool won't fix you. Sometimes it may inspire you to do it better because it gives you a cool tool to play with. And If your inner geek shows up on a rainy Saturday, it might, might work setting something up that might feel kind of cool. Now I've got a good, cool tool, I've got a good list manager. That's why, by the way, my stuff took off in the tech world uh, when I wrote the book, because first of all, that's when the blogging world started. And some mm-hmm. of the major bloggers were big GTD fans, so they they promoted this a lot. So it just spread around the world pretty fast. But the tech people loved it because they're almost as lazy as I am. They're in a they're <laughs> in a make your life you know more productive business, you know uh, you know make things easier. They're the hardest working people about how to make things easier for people. Right, right, and and at the same time, they love good systems, and you can't punch a hole in the GTD system. It's intact. There's there's nothing that you could punch a hole. Everybody tries, but you can't. There's, there's you know you, you can't beat it. There's no better way to keep your head clear. If there were, I'd teach that. <laughs> so that's where this came from. That's why, why I still use it. It's why I still have to do. That's why I still have to keep this. On my <laughs> Yeah. So we built basically installation manuals for people that want to implement the GTD methodology in these different apps, the, the real popular ones. So you can go to our website, go to our store on the website, you can see the, the ones that are available out there. We didn't do them for the all because too many. Yeah, But we, we tried to grab the most popular ones out there that people were using and uh, you the know, right best way to kind of organize those if you want to, if you want to do that relative to the methodology.
0: And then, where can people find out more about uh, implementer partners or coach coaches? I guess is what. Yeah, I would call well,
1: it. If, if it depends on where you are in the world. Uh, if you're in the U.S., we have an exclusive partner delivering getting things done trainings. That's crucial learning, and uh, they're doing public seminars all over, and they do in-house seminars, and they train in-house trainers. That's a lot of what their business is. Uh, so <clears throat> cruciallearning.com you can go check out with them if you want to go to a seminar that, and those are great it's a one day seminar gives you a great introduction to this lets you sort of play a little bit roll up your sleeves a little bit start to implement it have a sense of what you would do when you left there to how to keep, keep it going and then if you wanted one-on-one coaching which is really where all this stuff started with me doing that and that's really part of where the real DNA of this, this work uh, hangs on and our exclusive uh, partner delivering GTD coaching is GTD Focus, gtdfocus.com dot com. You can go to them, check them out, and they do a lot of, you know, particularly mid to senior level people. A lot of their coaching it's uh, it's desk side. They can do that now. You know, post pandemic, they can actually show up in in person and work with you one or two days. They can actually do it virtually too. Now that you know they they've got that model uh, you know down pretty well. Those are U.S. resources. If you're outside the U.S., just go to uh, coaching and training. You go to our website, gettingthingsdone.com. dot com. Look under coaching and training, and you'll see our whole international list. Just just type in your country, and you'll see who our certified partner is in the, in your region who's delivering uh, coaching or training there. So those are the resources you could you could access.
0: Awesome. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Uh, to to finish up, a couple of rapid fire questions. Somebody who's written such an unbelievable book, I have to ask you, what is another most gifted book that you uh you recommend to people?
1: Hard to say. I you know I I snack on books, not, <laughs> not often. I, I don't I, I don't read a ton you know, all the time. But there's a I have a copy of it here. No, I don't. There's a book called Humankind by uh, Rutger Bregman. He's a Dutch guy, but it's in English. And it's a fabulous book that uh, sort of gives you some optimism about the human character. You know, if, you just, if all you do is read the press, you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But he does a very good job, very authentic, very well-researched about the, the proof that the human being is ultimately good <laughs> mm. and that we all really will do good when, it, when push comes to shove. And you have the and you have the choice to do that. That's a that's a just one of my one of my favorite books, uh, you know. Recently,
0: any favorite quotes, and it could be your own.
1: Uh, we're your heads for having ideas, not for holding them. Uh, you know, that's you know kind of just a theme, you know, of of our work. Now I've got tons. I mean, I love Mark Twain. I love George Bernard Shaw. I love I love Walt Whitman. I love. I mean, they, I'm a big you know quote collectors it'd be hard to pick any (laughs) one. they they all have good stuff i love them
0: i imagine as you've grown gtd and and now you're you know you move from california to amsterdam uh what are you doing outside of the office when you're not when you're not talking about gtd or or coaching or training walking
1: the dogs we have two great (laughs) uh uh, wonderful little rascals there Uh, cavalier king charles spaniels which we we love the breed so we've got two of those and My wife and I go for nice long walks uh, with the dogs. Uh, We love to cook. We love to eat. We love to drink good wine. When I have time, I haven't done it for a while, but I love to paint, love to play the flute. So Mm -hmm. when I I finally retire, you know, I just turned 77, so I'm not sure if retirement's even on my radar at all. (laughs) Somehow I can't stop doing this. I've got a new book in the works that's going to come out this year about GTD for teams. You know for years, people have said, "God, once I got it, why can't everybody around me get it life and work would be so much easier?" You may have told, your, <laughs> you, you may have told yourself that, right yeah. and so but I've never had a really good way to tell people how to do that. And I've got a co-author now who's done a lot of work more than I have, actually in the last you know 10 or 15 years, working with senior teams implementing getting things done, and watching what happens on a team level, and how much the principles of getting things done applies in a team and a team could be you and your cab driver It could be you and your wife it could be you and your kids it could be any group of people that are trying to accomplish something together to make something yeah. happen you know it's basically a team and there are best practices there you know our biggest not necessarily frustrations but one of the things that has kind of gnawed at us over the years is we'd coach people that this they would implement you know our stuff and go oh my god this is a transformation this is great and then they walk back into a dysfunctional toxic environment. And they just have to use GDD to, to, you know, fence around themselves so that that everybody else's crap doesn't get onto them. You know, and they can, you know, and that's, gee, that's, (laughs) that's a waste. And so a lot of people actually wind up leaving there or or once they catch this, they go, God, people who don't get outcome and action thinking, Mm. you know, if you're not having your meeting start on time, you know, with the right people there at the right time, because the purpose of the meeting is clear and, They're not ending discussions without going, so what's the next step and who's doing it? Just those two things can change your culture. Just outcome and action thinking about meetings, about your project. Have you really defined what you project managers out there? Have you really sat down with you and your team and defined what wild success on your project would look like? By the way, when is done, done? Yeah. most, Most people think they're done, but they're not. There's all kinds of weird stuff hanging out.
0: That, that will that will speak to the entire construction industry because the last ten percent of the project takes the longest to close out, and whether it's the punch list or the turnover or, or yeah. the make
1: makeup list, you know. Or just the you know, come on. I used to manage a landscape company. I know, yeah. Especially when you're dealing with contractors, you're waiting for a list that better be right at hand <laughs> all the time, right? And following up. So again, you know, what's the status of the project? Whoever owns the project needs to decide. You know what? How do I know what? How do I know what the status of the project is? How often do I need to review that? You know, under what kind of recursion? And that could be very different for the different projects. So again, uh, again, applying this GTD methodology, you can apply it to a whole project. You can apply it to. You know, I, I walked in one time and, and was was asked to come in and help sort of consult uh, with a, a a big project team, and this was in aerospace. Uh, and I always say, well, this ain't rocket science. They say, yes, it is. <laughs> and they, and they, that's what they were doing. And I spent a whole day kind of walking them through this process and grabbing stuff and writing on whiteboards, and whatever. And by the end of the day, they, uh, they thought it was brilliant. And they, they felt so fabulous. And they thought I was really smart. I had no idea still what they said. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue what it was they were talking about. I was just saying, well, where's that? And where does that go? On? Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so you can apply the process kind of anywhere. You could teach it to your kids.
0: <laughs> what age group?
1: <laughs> uh, anywhere up until about 16. <laughs> anywhere between 16 and 28, forget it. <laughs> yeah,
0: can't tell them anything.
1: All they have to wait, you know, up until 16, they go, oh, that's how you do that. Okay, because we we're teaching kids. We've got teachers teaching this stuff to eight, nine, 10, 12 year olds. They go, oh, that's what you do. Okay, you write stuff down, got it. At the end of the week, I empty my pack and decide what to do with all these notes I crammed in the little pockets. Right, so mom doesn't forget that she needs to sign this kind of thing, I need to make sure that's there. And kids understand, hey, you know, the parents get this. They say, listen, kid, if you want something done, put a note in my in-basket. And the kids get that. They go, oh, okay, mom, uh," and they stick it in mom's in-basket. And mom will then make sure it happens. You know, uh, and, that. And, and, and so you kind of at any age, they can catch some part of this in terms of what the methodology is and how to do it. But between, you know, until they have kids or get promoted, you know, they're not going to think they need it.
0: Well, I, as you're talking about that, I think the, the, the number of times my wife has to hear mom screamed in the house repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Like if, if you just calm that noise down and turn it into a, a, a note it could shut off the instant gratification that mom's here to serve everything that you want at any given time and it stops the screaming. So there's anybody that's got little kids. We're going to implement that one immediately in the, or any any
1: project manager that's out there in in a shed, you know, for that big project that's being implemented better have their own in basket and let everybody around them know exactly the same thing. Got something you need to see. Stick it here. Yeah. Right, so you're not nickeled and dimed immediately by everybody that wants instant gratification, and and even if you're, they come and say, "Hey, will you handle that? Did you da 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 da?" And you're not writing it down. Forget it. You just threw it into this big trash bin out there that's not going to know exactly what to do, what or when to be reminded of that. Sorry. So yeah.
0: so let's let's don't, close don't, it don't out.
1: Don't with... shoot the don't shoot the message.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think I, I, to close us out, what do you think? You know, a lot of this comes down to discipline and decisiveness in, you know, once, once you build the system, it's the discipline to stick with the system and the decisiveness that when something's in, in, where does it go? Um, how often do you recommend people are going to have to, you know, review this and, and process information? I know that in the moment you're, you're constantly kind of sorting and, and pushing things into lists.
1: Yeah, it's very different. It, you know, I understand the question, there, BJ, but it's very different, obviously, based upon what you do. I mean, I'm 77. And, you know, I don't have nearly the complexity or the volume of projects that I used to have when I was 60 or when right. I was 45. So, but I would say on average, you ought to make sure you've got a, an hour a day to process that day's incoming. You know, I've coached a number of executives who just set aside the first hour of the day called no meetings between eight and nine. They just come in and go, that's when I'm going to do catch up because the world's going to come at me at nine o'clock. Right. And they need to make sure they've got enough time to review, reflect, kind of bring up the rear guard before they have to walk into the madness of the day. So having some sort of daily review time or daily kind of, you know, if you're just wall to wall, I understand sometimes you can't help that. But if you're wall to wall, you're going to get an hour behind for every day that happens Mm -hmm. in terms of catching up. And then you need once a week, you need to, what we do the weekly review, which is probably the key success factor for keeping us going is, you know, you'll fall off the wagon. I do too. Things get a little out of control, but that's okay. It's not going to go very long before I bring up the rear guard. So every seven days, or as soon as I feel like I need to to, to, to regroup, I need to hold the world back for an hour or two or whatever and catch up. And that catching up is, that can be very creative. You know, if you catch back, Anybody listening or watching this right now, all you have to do is look back at your last two weeks of your calendar in detail and catch all the OSs I should have, <laughs> you know, uh, or, and then look at your calendar for the next two to three weeks coming up. Oh God, that reminds me. I ought to. Mm. Just that, just a review of your calendar on some consistent basis. And you're not going to do that every hour, every day. You don't have time, but at least once a week, that's the kind of thing that, that would be sort of central to kind of regrouping. Is calendar to begin with, but if you started to implement this process, reviewing your project list, do I have all what new projects have shown up that I haven't captured or clarified yet? And by the way, do all of my projects have next actions that I know exactly what's doing that and who's doing that? And you know, it, it's it, again, it's not rocket science unless you're <laughs> building rockets. And it is
0: well i I want to end on that note and and emphasize it because our listeners are involved in project teams and and project managers or engineers whether you're the whether you're the doer in the room, the advisor in the room the listener in the room, the leader in the room it the next action and who's responsible, the number of meetings that I have seen and been a part of that you know there's they leave a little bit of that to-do list sitting on the table, and everybody walks away, and we come back the next week, and the to-do list is still waiting for us with no ownership. Um, and I think the GTD process is, you know, and and I'm excited to hear about the team book because I do think that it forces healthier communication around responsibility and ownership and next action, like you talked about, the outcome action thinking, which was ingrained in me to to a certain degree in the military. Uh, which is an environment where everybody's expected to be handed marching orders and to go own. Uh, I think that, you know, in, in some organizations and some project teams, there's still that storming and norming and everybody's afraid to be telling other people what to do. But if the person that's supposed to, quote, be doing it doesn't step up and take responsibility for the action, somebody has to say, hey, who's got the next action? Who's responsible for that? And, yeah. and force that responsibility to be taken. Well, if, if I'll take an extra minute. sort of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, your la- the last minute is always yours. Well, let's go
1: back to Deming. Yes. You know, who created total quality management. Absolutely. Right, from the US to Japan, studied Toyota, Kanban, you know, that whole idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his point, which is very well taken, which you can have very, very high performing people, but if your process sucks, the outcome sucks. Right? But the obverse is also true. Or the converse is also true. You could have a fabulous process, but if you have people that personally can't manage themselves and their role in that process, your outcome sucks. Right. So you, you need both. You need both a team process. Hey guys, we start on time. You know, if you're not here, don't show up. Or we're not even setting. We're not, you don't, you don't have to come to the meeting unless the outcome, the purpose of the meeting is clear. And you don't end meetings without going, what do we decide? Who's doing it? And you need some sort of a process for capturing the decisions that were made, and some sort of a review process. Somebody needs to say, okay, how do we know how we're doing, and then what's the status you know, of X, Y, and Z? So those, that's the process, and the process, that process itself will help a ton. But again, if you don't have people who keep track of their own stuff about what they need to do, you know, themselves that they that they wound up getting in the meeting. You know, and they're letting stuff fall through the cracks and they're overwhelmed because they got so much to do and they're not feeling on top of their game. You know, that's your team is only as good as your weakest link. Yeah. Uh,
0: can you tell us when the team book will be available?
1: You march with snails when you're walking, working with you know an international publisher. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see some sometime this year for sure. Awesome.
0: Well, David, I can't thank you enough for your work in GTD and, and writing the book and, and for taking the time to, to be on the podcast today. Um, wishing you all the best in, in 2023. And uh, Oh, I have a book recommendation for you if you haven't read it yet. Since you, since you mentioned your age and not slowing down, uh, Dan Sullivan, My Plan to Live to 156. Uh, hmm. it's, it's a quick audible listen or a, or a quick read.
1: Ben's yeah. no, um, a smart a guy. Yeah. No, I know. I just don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to live that long. You? <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> it's, it's the mindset. It's the mindset. Uh, yeah. no need to slow down. Uh, so thank you for all the value that you brought to uh, our listeners today. And, uh, my pleasure. Ha- BJ. All right. Okay. Thanks, David. Hey everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to inspiring people in places on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast hosting platform we'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the aec space be sure to visit our website www.mcfaglobal.com sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping last but not least we are hiring we are always hiring do us a favor Take a look at what jobs we have open, contact us through our website, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.